Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Uniqlo. Uniqlo offers the latest men's, women's, and kids' clothing and accessories, and this winter, they want you to stay warm with their line of heat tech clothing. Choose heat tech for regular winter wear and heat tech extra warm for those super cold days. Undershirts, tights, socks, scarves, hats, fleeces, and even pants that fit seamlessly into your everyday life. The products fit slim, they're not bulky, and the moisture-wicking fabric retains heat and also features anti-odor properties to keep you feeling fresh even when you sweat. There is nothing worse in this world than the cold day sweats. The Camellia Oil Moisturizer adds comfort for your dry skin. So check it out. You go to Uniqlo.com or find a Uniqlo store near you. That's U-N-I-Q-L-O.com. Uniqlo. Lifewear. Simple made better. I need supports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, his cup overfloweth. It's Andy Greenwald! Do you think... Hey, buddy, first of all, do you think that my main take today is going to be about the wasteful use, (laughs) misuse of Cabernet in in Westworld? I mean, it actually was the ultimate baller move that Tony Hopkins just told his robots to waste the good stuff. And you know he brought out the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then he destroyed his vineyard. Well, that was actually, I don't know if you noticed that, that was a, a tequila vineyard. Do you see that they were harvesting agave plants? I didn't. Is yeah. that? Are you on the Reddit? Are you talking about that on, on no, Reddit? No, that's literally the only thing that I identified with as a human being. In Andy, it's Monday. TV. It's the watch. We'll obviously be talking about Westworld. We're also going to do our first episode of Black Mirror chat um, yeah. for Nosedive. We'll be doing that a little bit later in the episode. But first, it would be we'd be remiss, I yeah. think, if we didn't. Yeah. Would well, you want to get some house cleaning well, first? A couple bits of house cleaning. A couple bits of house cleaning. Uh, house cleaning number one. Big day yesterday in the rock and roll space, Chris. Um, in the rock and roll space. <laughs> I'm, I'm a disruptor in that space, as you yeah, know. Yeah. First thing, you know, I was surprised by the the intensity of the discussion and the feedback of the discussion we had a few weeks ago about the Strokes. Mm-hmm. 15th anniversary of their classic debut, Is This It? Yes. Young Firestarter here came at me hard saying Room on Fire might actually be better. Yeah. I said that was nonsense. I'm just Drew Barrymore with these, with these takes. I... <laughs> was surprised that many people on the internet webs agreed with you. And then I came back, the album is really good. Chris, Los Angeles, magical place. Yeah. Yes, yesterday I found myself at a pumpkin carving party. Yeah. Our, our friend our friend Tyler invited us. Um, you're busy working. A point that's going to come back later in my Sunday stories. <laughs> okay. Um, you know who was there? I do know who this is there. The listeners don't. <laughs> Albert Hammond Jr., yeah. who many people know as a former guest of the Andy Greenwald podcast. Yeah, that a yeah. few people might long know. Long time, long time. He's basically <laughs> like uh, Bill Murray to your Letterman, right? He's he Yes, he, he is. And uh, he also is a guitarist in The Strokes. And I mentioned to him, by the way, great pumpkin carver. He did the sort of the short, sharp shiv technique that I think he learned from episodes of The Wire or Oz. <laughs> okay. But he carved an American flag into this big uh, pumpkin. It was very good. Really? It, it was impressive. Okay. Um, I mentioned to you him. You turn it upside down, Della Rocha style? Not yet, because the, the, the pulp was still a little wet in there. Okay. Yeah. This is, you would have known this had you gone. Political pumpkin carving. Jokes. The, he was very intrigued by this debate. Yeah. So can you, without giving too much, you know, I don't want to cross well, the public he, and the private here, no, but can you, you, you go up to him and you're like, Albert. Yeah. Albert! <laughs> I call him, I call him Al. Al. Yeah. Uh, funny that I should find you here at this pumpkin yeah. carving event. You, you want to know what my approach was? You may remember me from the Andy Greenwald show. That happened earlier. <laughs> yeah. And he said, definitely not. Yeah. And <laughs> he you said, would be. Who are you? Yeah. Uh, it was actually the end of the time at the party. He, the, first of all, he's a quick carver. He, he did it and got up and okay. was done. Other people were still like fiddling with their owl beaks right. and stuff. Like, this is next level. But he was done. 
And I said to him, like, oh, you know, uh, you're going to be playing shows soon, because he had played a show the night before. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm working on a new record, but also Strokes are going to get back together. We're going to do something this year. I was like, great news. Funny thing about the Strokes. Okay. We've been talking about so them. So I don't, like, here's, just as a preface thing, if I, yeah. if you would come up to me and I was Nick Valencia. If you were yeah. elbow deep in a pumpkin. You know, and I was like, you're like, guess what? Mm-hmm. Me and my friend had a cool conversation <laughs> about how the best yeah. thing you did was either 15 years ago oh, or no, 13 no. years ago. Right. That would be like a kind of a like, thanks for, thanks for taking the time out of your Sunday. First of all, go fuck yourself. The situation was <laughs> mitigated by the fact that the best thing he's done in 15 years was the pumpkin. And I think, he, I think we all agreed on that. That's a good icebreaker. But, no, I, first of all, I would never say that to Nick Valencia because he's very intimidating. <laughs> Two, that wasn't my move. Yeah. Like, this is, you know, you, you, you got to make friends. No, I you know, know, I know, I know. Um, can't, get, can't get lemonade without squeezing a few lemons. You know what I mean? It's an old, old party trick I learned at a pumpkin party yeah. once. Uh, no, I just said, you know, we were talking about, we were talking about it because is this an anniversary it was just recently, it was the 15th anniversary, and, and we were having a debate about whether people were liked your first album or your second album better. Right. And he was like, that's literally crazy to me. And Because Room on Fire is clearly better? It's not that he didn't think that. It's that he was clearly still wounded by the fact that the press response and the general critical response when that record came out was, this isn't Is This It? And he That's felt a like, great headline. I hope somebody used that. His t- this isn't I feel his like decision. that was probably on the cover of the NME in like 90 block. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. He... he is still a little bit scarred, and I imagine the band is that they. I think they thought it was a good record. Well, they always have friend, a friend in me. Well, that was what I told him, and that's why he <laughs> feels ready to return to your safe embrace. Just watch him with that sharp pumpkin knife. <laughs> True story. Last thing I'll say about it: he brought his own like pumpkin innard scooper with him. Really? Yeah, like he rolls deep really? at the Halloween party. A, a, a room on fire commemorative pumpkin <laughs> scooper. It was an that RCA was giving away. It's actually what they gave away with angles. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Uh, it's responsible for get the that pumpkin low, on an angle. Low uh, anything else you wanted to address before we get going? Two other quick things. One, Jimmy World played a show last night. I went to an emo show by myself because my man over here had to work. I, I, the sweetness was like singing back, and I looked around for my man. Wasn't he wasn't there. there. I, was, I was watching a 3-3 a, a three to three football game. <laughs> That's <laughs> terrible. Last point, uh, little TV critic housekeeping slash defense. Okay. Did some people see this this weekend? You didn't because you were working. But... Last week, Mike Hale, one of the TV critics of the New York Times, ran a review of Goliath, your favorite Billy yeah, Bob Thornton Yeah, one of my favorite vehicle. 2016 David E. Kelly show. Absolutely top <laughs> two, yeah. let's say. Um, and the review ran, and the review said that, you know, the show didn't earn its artiness by being, like, elliptical and being telling the story out of order and, like, having the time jumps that it did because it backed up in a really weird way. And maybe if, when you finish the series, it'll make more sense. The next day, a correction ran saying that clearly Mr. Hale had watched the episodes out of order. Mm-hmm. And people jumped on it. And I just want to say, been there, done that, my man. Have you actually? I just want to say it is a wonder to me that this hasn't happened more often. It does, I actually have started episodes and been like, I have to stop yes. and double check that this is the next episode because this doesn't feel the, like the, it's coming. But that, you know... And it's actually, I would, my, my hot take on this is it's actually a testament. Some people would be like, this is proof that there's, there's too much TV or whatever because people can't keep up and yeah. they, the, the churn. I would say this is actually an argument for how good TV is, that people assume artiness. Right, that's true. I definitely, definitely started the second season of Orange is the New Black by watching episode six <laughs> of that season. I 1,000% <laughs> started Fargo season two by watching episode two and then episode one. 
Okay. And then I went back and watched them in the correct order. But I'm just feeling, when I saw that happen, I was like, there but for the grace of God slash Mark Lasanti and Dan Fearman go I because uh-huh. it's tricky navigating these press sites and that happens. But I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. People don't leave Mike Hale alone. That's a crazy look under the hood, man. Yeah, isn't that interesting <laughs> to see like the way things used to be? It's kind of a look under the pumpkin show. That is true. Um, let's talk a little bit about, well, you want to do Walking Dead first or Westworld? Let's, let's get it. Let's do a little Walking Dead. Let, let, let's, just because I feel like that also just happened last well, night. Well, The Walking Dead died as a going concern for us quite some time a ago. A while ago. I feel like the last time we actually talked about this was that episode in Nebraska. There, well, that was the last time. No, because then it got kind of secretly pretty good um, like two years ago when Scott Gimple took over. Right. And I wrote a piece for Grandland called... But that was actually Why about the, the wrong season. <laughs> it, was about a, it was about Rectify. And I was trying to trick people. It was like another American's piece, but you were like, The Walking Dead. Slipped Are it, we sure it's not good? Slipped it past the old editors. Yeah. Um, yes. I think that it's interesting. Like, people have, when I say people, critical tastemakers like Chris Ryan have jumped off perhaps earlier than... Yeah earlier than Joe Sixpack because the show still does Bafo ratings, but it has not really been discussed in the same conversation. It's, as it's to me, it's kind a of a, you know, I, I, it's very, it mirrors Grey's Anatomy in that I was wow. very into it for the you first know, few seasons and found it pretty interesting. And then it just kind of like locked into its, albeit a lot of churn, a lot of people coming and going. Similar body count on those shows. I, you, you, you're joking, but no, it's probably true. Not joking. And main characters getting offed mm-hmm. in, uh, Unceremoniously or ceremoniously, preposterous ways. But you know, obviously, last night was something that had been built up a lot. That there's two main characters, or one character, one was, was at gonna, least one was going to die because Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Grey's Anatomy, nice, uh, was going to hit somebody in the face with a spiked bat to reenact the torture sketch from Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how they broke it in the room. I think so. I think they were like, we don't, we don't do enough. They're like, guys, quick season eight pitch. What if Negan ties up someone's asshole and starts feeding them, and then feeding them, and then wait for it, feeding them? <laughs> is anyone here in the room with me? What Scott? voice is that? <laughs> I don't know. That's TV writer room voice. Where, is that how people talk in TV writer rooms? Man, you don't know a lot about this business. You got to get under the hood. Yeah, I know. Seriously, I that's my home. new that's my new podcast. More under parties the, under the hood, under the hood. with hood. Albert Hammond Jr. Yeah, um, and maybe like we could have it like it's like a video component where you're just always like wiping oil off your hands. <laughs> like you've been under the hood it, when it starts with Nick Valencia. It starts in media res where I wipe my hands and then tuck the rag into my belt. <laughs> yeah, like, and hey. then you open up your MacBook. <laughs> you're like just, just faded, just smear. <laughs> anyway, uh, so some dude got hit in the face with a bat. Look. But here's Couple the thing dudes. is like I even even Walking Dead fans and I know that there are going to be a lot out there who are like yeah. fuck you bro but like even Walking Dead fans that I know were like ah no way. Here's the thing. This was the longest Should we say what happened? Well, we don't I, we're not going to spoil it. Okay. Who? But people got hit in the face with a bat, yeah. which you know, it's check check off spike bat. You know what I mean? <laughs> classic classic trope of dramatic storytelling. This thing was effed from Jump Street. Not because this is a beloved, monstrous creation from the comic books or anything like that that people were excited to have on TV for some sick, sadistic reason. But think about how they handled this. This is a show that played the worst kind of trickery, storytelling trickery, earlier last season when a beloved character, Glenn, was essentially killed on screen. Yes. Only to be... And then they did the after show. You know know how I feel. I'm 
always very pro after show. Yeah, yeah. Just across the board. Was like, uh, you had to dance around it, and it was very awkward, because they were essentially admitting by their silence or by their behavior that they were playing with the audience, tricking them, which yeah. no one wants that. Um, he wasn't dead. And then, so at, learning nothing from that lesson, they, the cliffhanger was this new next level big boss basically being like one of my one of your beloved characters will have their head caved in but you have to wait six months to find out right i was going to talk about this before the episode aired just to be like let's can we interrogate this a little bit like what we want out of our entertainment when we're like i have to say i do think that you are starting to skew towards wanting happiness yes no it's just think about what the pay the payoff of that is who dies horrifically right well it's not it, what that does was it actually mean, how the it's social media messaging of the show last night it's like every time i looked yeah. at twitter to get to see people getting like seahawks cardinals jokes off on the tl yeah. like it was just more like guess who died tonight no th- isn't but, that cool but that's megan finally made his choice but that's also learning the wrong lesson from what happened with glenn it's like it's never the it's never who you kill it's why and the reaction to it and what it you know honestly what it means in this fictional enterprise so it's already kind of pretty fucked up i think pretty sadistic and weird they did do this before so my my big my big pet peeve with this we don't i I can't even really in in an informed way talk about who they killed in terms of like how it makes me feel because i haven't watched it in a while but i did watch and one thing that i think is weird is that they did the same thing where like everybody's kneeling on the ground and then rick's like I'm gonna kill you yeah. one day. First of all, that's a not top, today. Top shelf, Rick. Not tomorrow. I never got. Not why next do season. you think you can get away with when you're about to get killed? Mm-hmm. You can get away with like one day. I'm gonna kill you. Uh, why and you- also, when someone says that, and you're like, "Who should I kill? Why don't you just kill the guy who just threatened to kill you? Kill that dude. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Don't leave any loose ends. Don't. And how long mm-hmm. has I understand it's the apocalypse? But how long is Rick going to wear the Jordan Catalano uh, lamb-lined fleece jean jacket thing before people are like, dude, you need to get a new jacket? It's like, We've definitely passed <laughs> Pat by a windbreaker store before. Get a new coat. There <laughs> are options. It, they're near <laughs> Atlanta. Atlanta is a major metropolis. Yes. You could just dip in. When they're like, we got to go into the city to get some penicillin. Yeah. And Rick can just be like, can you get me a coat? But it's like, yo. Because this coat smells like a baby <laughs> that has been like. <laughs> that was put inside the pumpkin yeah. that got carved yesterday. A baby and a pumpkin. Listen, listen to me. There is 100% a Patagonia outlet somewhere in Buckhead. You know what I mean? Like, you could get some other stuff. I just think that it's he's hot selling there. himself short. He needs so, breathable fabrics. Look. Your main point is that what do we want from television? Is it really I, to watch people kneeling waiting to die it this is this is pornography in not in the sexual sense but in the sense that it is chasing a certain kind of emotional or i don't even know if it's emotional um nervous response like literally in the sense of like electric neurons firing in your brain to feel a certain way and see something horrible that's what that's the level that this is on and i say this as someone who has always been kind of frustrated with the show because it could be a lot of things you could tell a lot of different styles of story other than this story just getting worse and worse yeah when you have carte blanche and you have these ratings and you have zombies because people people dig zombies the question i would ask is it did seem like a bunch of people were like enough last night but what what is the what is the end game here like they're gonna run for three to five to six more seasons there's 
you know that thing about like uh, if you thought there's a happy end, you know, Game of Thrones if you thought there's a happy ending. You, you haven't been paying attention. Like, yeah, right. People know. Like, I think they're pretty clear that there's not one here. And I then still last night, the, the other thing, by the way. this is 10 seasons. You know, like, the end game for this is, like, a, a show that basically props up AMC across well, can, the board for a decade. They can tell everyone and keep going. Yeah, It doesn't absolutely. matter. The comic book's still going after many years. But the other point about it was that they didn't even give you the benefit of what you wanted to see. Like, they made you watch 40 minutes as if the ratings were going to dip if they saw the bat hit someone in the first 30 seconds, right? Right. Like, that's just... That's just that's just straight up trickery. That's not that's not really respecting the audience. Well, but let's take a quick break. We're going to talk a little bit about our sponsor. Wait, sure. So are, are we are we out on are we out on Walking Dead at this point? <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything really to add other than the fact that write better lines for your guys who are kneeling in front of people with spike bats. What, what's your what's your what's your go to line the next time you find yourself kneeling in front of a guy swinging a spike bat? Please don't <laughs> to take the guy next to me. <laughs> I think that's I'll how... be really helpful in whatever you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> so you would you would fully switch are you teams. hiring? <laughs> be like you should just be like. You make some really compelling The time for trash talk arguments. is prior to being handcuffed right. and kneeling on the ground. Right. Did you just basically low-key tell me that you would sell me out? Like, <laughs> Are we going to be in that situation? If we were, <laughs> if we were, are you the one who's just like, like pointing to me? This, this guy, he's done it. He's died a full life. He, did, he, he didn't like a lot of television shows other people did. He doesn't even know how to watch the shows in order. He's bumming people out about Westworld. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Word from our sponsor. Come back. Westworld, first episode, Black Mirror. Hey, everybody. Just want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor today, Sonos. Sonos is the smart speaker system that streams all your favorite music to any room or every room. You control your music with one simple app, and you fill your home with pure, immersive sound. I am all in on this, Chris. I've got three rooms with the Sonos speakers hey, right are you now. immersed? Dog? I am, I am not just immersed. I can be individually immersed because I got a three-person household. So one person can be in the kitchen listening to NPR. My daughter can be listening to Singing in the Rain or Show Tunes or whatever. And I can listen to the whale sounds that sustain me. When I come out office. of the house every day, I need to decompress like I've been like deep sea mining, yeah. like Leviathan, yeah. because I'm so immersed in sound. I want to tell you a little bit about, more about Sonos. It brings all your music in one app. The simple app, it just brings together all your favorite music services, so Spotify, Apple Music, etc. You can also listen to the radio. It lets you control everything from the songs to the volume in the room. So you can have classical jamming in one room, mm -hmm. quiet reggaeton, which is my preferred way mm. to watch so I'll have baseball on and then yeah. low reggaeton. That sounds delightful. Yeah. You play a different song in the living room, different song in the bedroom, bathroom, or the same track in every room, and you can add any existing music, a lot of the existing music services, or you can discover something new. And ease of use. You can press play, you can press pause on the speaker. We love it. We love it. You can use your app, use the speaker, get Sonos. It's fantastic. Sonos. Today's episode of The Watch is also brought to you by Blurb. Have you ever wanted to create a book or maybe a magazine? Do you have some stories, maybe a journal, or just a ton of fantastic old family photos that you thought would always make a nice book? Maybe you have friends or family that deserve a thoughtful present this holiday season. I know I do, and I know what I'll be getting them. It's Blurb. Blurb knows that you have those people in your life, and you want to hook them up. Blurb is a digital bookmaking platform that allows you to create, publish, share, and sell your own professional quality books from your computer, tablet, or phone. Blurb has a variety of easy-to-use formats like photo books, trade books, magazines, and ebooks. With free built-in layouts and templates, it's never been easier to design family books, travel books, food books, 
and more. And if you're having an issue, Blurb has experts available to assist you at every step of the way. Print one or many, and you can even sell them on Amazon or the Apple iBook store. Visit Blurb.com slash watch and enter promo code watch for 25% off your very own Blurb photo book. That's Blurb.com slash watch and add the code watch at checkout for 25% off. Blurb, make a book, leave your mark. Okay, uh, we're back. We're going to talk to Jason Concepcion in a couple of minutes about Westworld, but for now, let's just Let's just get uh, our feelings on the record. Um, <laughs> it's got real serious in here. Well, okay, this was the first episode that I felt like you could see the prolonged production process mm-hmm. of this show. There were parts of this episode that felt like they may have been filmed for different shows. I thought that Ed Harris's character, uh, the Man in Black, even though we learned a little bit about him with the foundation that mm-hmm. he runs and this idea that he's like on vacation, which mm-hmm. was like an incredibly... I thought bold line for him to say because it made that man seem it made his whole thing seem his whole journey seem incredibly uh, stupid if he's like I'm on vacation so basically the suspension of disbelief that uh, Ed Harris is, is Colonel Kurtz basically and that he is trying to turn the game inside out and he's out there up the river mm-hmm. but if he just turns around he's like no I'm on vacation don't talk to me. It was just like a weird, like, so wait, what's the world outside? Like, I, I mean, to me, that made me think of, I didn't mind that because it made me think of the Trump kids holding up, like, elephant tails they severed. Like, just rich people do stupid shit But when those guys on aren't, like, I guess so, but those that goes towards who they are. Like, he's a guy who on the outside has, like, a foundation that apparently cures people right, of so diseases. I, did you, did your, did that sound, is that your mind blowing right now? Well, like, I'm just saying... Well, because he's good in one world, bad in the other. I guess that's true. That's what is kind of weird, right? Uh, it's but amazing. What, but for, the, for the first few episodes he was yeah. set up, as, I think tonally it was slightly different. I thought that there were yeah. scenes like... I am not sure, like, in what context they shot the Anthony Hopkins <laughs> tequila vineyard scene. Are you suggesting that maybe... Arnold was a note they added in post no, so that every time think, so that originally Ed Harris maybe was Arnold or he'd gone off the grid and then they decided they needed something else so every time he says it, it's like and that's why I'm chasing Arnold that's a really <laughs> that would be tough if that was the case do you no, think that nothing's impossible in the Nolan verse no I don't think that okay but I, I do think it's possible that the background backstory of the man in black changed between the pilot and the series going into full production Okay. Over a year later, okay, which may account for some of the inconsistencies between the way he behaved in episode that's what I one thought. and episode four. Um, I don't know that for sure, but that's certainly possible. I'm pretty sure that we answered the "is this happening in two different timelines?" questions. Probably, I think so. Probably the one I actually paid attention to that this week because the idea of the asshole buddy in the black hat yeah. talking about work is everything is work that, as if there is some sort of foundation like they're uh, Delos or something like like who they're like the Delos corporation oh, oh, that makes the um, or that they're invested in it or that they have some business you know, they're partners they have a seat on the board but, yeah. but the idea being that maybe the foundation that Ed Harris is referring to is the same thing but yeah. I, 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 I'm not in on that theory I just okay, wanted to no I just wanted to we'll ask Jason about that okay um, anyway what were some of your thoughts my official review of this episode of Westworld um, is... Which is episode four. Episode four of Westworld. I'd like to quote um, the great Joe Pesci. You were serious about that? <laughs> that was my feeling. Okay. I have to tell you, I, I want to keep it light because my the pleasure I get from this show is 0% watching the show. I enjoy talking about this with you. I enjoy talking about theories. I'm glad Jason's coming on. I like having my mind blown in ways that the show 
in, in, in talking about details the show may have created or connections it may be making extracurricularly, mm-hmm. it is painful to watch the show. I mean, this was I, I, this was a bad episode of television, and it was an interminable episode so of television. So I kind of disagree with you. I mean, I don't think it's, like, unentertaining. I, I don't... This was a really dense one. There was a lot of, like... All, we're, we're really connecting all these plot lines I, that have been kind of in different parts of the park, and now everybody's I, converging on Wyatt. I, first of all, what a cool name for a big <laughs> bad guy. But two, give me... A, throw me a throw me a freaking bone here. Give me a single thing to care about. If the emotional anchor of your sixty-five minute or sixty-minute episode of television is two robots having flashbacks to robot things, why? Well, what if a, they're not robots? I mean, like, what? Do, no, it, I just mean like, the, like, like, like Tan, no, like Tandy Newton's whole journey is so deeply uninteresting to me like so she's so she's waking up and they're robots and they're becoming sentient fine like the minute to go back but that's not interesting because i don't care about them right they're made You're up just like really like out on robots they're not interesting unless they're rea- <laughs> relating to people okay you need to have some you yeah. know like i don't i don't think my macbook is that interesting either but the words i put down on <laughs> covered in car oil and motor grease are genius listen <laughs> Uh, the the reason I, I paid attention to that line about Ed Harris and the Foundation was because that seemed like a more interesting story to me. I wanted to chase that story for a second because it suggested a guy who has so much free time and you know and so much money and such a complicated morality. What's he up? What's he on about? Yeah. This idea of him being you know immortal and the, there's the woman and there's the tattoo and then there's there's poor Clifton Collins just keeps almost getting shot. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm just deeply uninterested in it. And then the other part, Anthony Hopkins basically playing God in a way, which is, we've sort of seen this thing before. We've seen that type of story before. Um, The one thing that I still think is kind of interesting about the show is now starting to, to me to seem almost too obvious, which is that Bernard is a robot. The way they talk about him now seems to be Overplaying their hand, right? When he's like, he'd be careful. And the only of him. way he's, that he would know about sensitive. her if he was, if Bernard wasn't directly reporting to Anthony Hopkins, is right. if Bernard is actually recording everything that's happening, and so that she, her, right. her lines are going back to Anthony Hopkins. Um, you know, it, it just does seem to be one of those things so far where the all of the stories that they couldn't tell because of the scope of their agenda and their ambition. The littler stories are more interesting to me than this one giant story they're telling. Right. Building the park seems interesting. People choosing to go to the park seems interesting. Old versions of it seem interesting. But they're telling this massive story that involves teaching us about how it works and who these people are, but also clearly building up to the end of it or the next phase of it. Right. Okay. Um, Let, let's call Jason and talk a little bit about what the, these phases could be. Because I think what I want to talk about is what, where are we going now? I, I just had one last point. Sure. Did you know... You the, don't like robots. The player piano? It plays modern songs. Like, <laughs> so would you rather it was playing like ragtime? Would you rather it was playing like... What about Joplin, though? <laughs> Joplin actually would probably be anachronistic, too, though, right? I, I don't know. Let's call Jason. <laughs> okay, we're joined now by the sheriff. Saloon keeper. <laughs> the, the, the tap minder. <laughs> Jason Concepcion, uh, to talk to us a little bit about, um, I mean, Jason's just like the Indiana Jones of the forums, dog. He's yeah. just, he's just grabbing the, the <laughs> idol. Um, Jason, what's, what's good on Reddit this week? Wait, wait, before we get into Reddit, <laughs> I, I, I want to bring Jason in. 
I don't want to make him dive into the snake yes. pits quite yet. Jason, can I um, can I read something back to you? Please. This is please. This, this is a post on the website twitter.com posted by uh, <laughs> by network. It's network with a three. That's Jason. Last night, and you tweeted Westworld maintenance level technician one cleaning jizz at a post with a water pick. How long have you worked here? Tech two six months. Jason, your tweet is better than anything on the show Westworld because your your tweet. And I, I wanted to say it because it's really funny, but two. Talk to me about this, because you are able to f still find some joy in this profoundly joyless show. They are ignoring any bits of detail that might actually be funny or draw in people who, you know, full disclosure, don't care about robots. Uh, I just like to, am fascinated by the idea that that's a job. <laughs> like, literally, a job is an entry-level position at Westworld is you put on a, you probably put on a rubber suit, go down to the refrigerators, and, like scrub body fluids out of the orifices of robots yeah. for hours upon hours. <laughs> yes. With yeah. like a wire brush. You gotta start somewhere. But, <laughs> but, but that is kind of gross and interesting. And the show is so <laughs> devoted to be having this high-minded conversation about humanity and morality that it kind of doesn't want to deal with the question, you know, these other questions these burning questions, quite literally probably in some cases, when Technician 2 doesn't do his job, that are created in a ripple effect from the bigger questions. And I feel like that's sort of what makes the show uninteresting to me, because it's just going after the forest and leaving these uh, VD-riddled trees behind. <laughs> uh, well, I think there's like, there's, I think there's like a fundamental kind of perspective issue, which is that you know, the show asks you to ponder what happens if these robots become alive when it's, like, obvious from episode one that they are alive. And the only thing that's keeping them from revolting is their programming and that they don't remember, like, what happened. But on a fundamental level, when you talk to them, they're alive. I mean, they can improvise conversations. They feel pain. They get upset at stuff. Uh, and so... What's the mystery of the show? I guess the mystery of the show is that we don't really understand fully what the world outside Westworld is like, and you know we don't know where Arnold is. I also think that but, there's, but there's there's no 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 go ahead. Well, I was going to say that I think that there's something interesting. Andy was kind of saying that he doesn't really care about the Tandy Newton character, and I I get that. I get all the thi all the criticisms, but one of the things that I think is interesting about her is that they have stuff that's pre-programmed into them. Probably, like there's even a church that I mean, there is a church that they go to. There is things that they're supposed to quote unquote believe in, or things that they're supposed to know about themselves. But what happens basically when they start being aware of the same ideas, like the ideas about God, you know, and that's what happens with the the technician that we're talking about the technician in the spacesuit and how that helmet and that's that's for the natives that, that right. that's a that's a sort of icon right. for them so if she starts to develop her own ideas about god or some has her own ideas about history because obviously her memory of what has happened to her is distinct from what they are programming her to remember about herself that stuff is pretty interesting to me, um, and I, I also I really like the idea that like there would just be this pagan religion built up around the things that people see out there. Um, 
I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the... I have one more question. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. I, yeah. I have a question, and maybe this is a question that has, has actually been answered, because a couple of things, like last week I asked about um, Dolores' loop, and apparently that loop storyline has been made available on some promotional websites, and people tweeted it at me. So some of these things maybe are out there. But just, I have a question about the economy of the place, <laughs> and, but, specifically, but specifically, how much does it cost to make a robot? Because... They seem to have limitless resources in some ways. Yeah, right. To the degree where... But they rather than just, yeah. like, throw Teddy out... Right. Right. So they spend... They let these guys get shot up with bullets and spend enormous amount of money in man hours and bleach hours cleaning them and putting them back overnight, essentially, back into it. Dolores has apparently been there from the very beginning and is so essential to the storyline, she can't be changed. And yet... Our man Tony Hopkins has a full staff of butlers and maids who apparently do nothing but pour wine and sweep his hacienda. Like, that just seems like a weird use of robot resources. Similarly, if Ed Harris is the first person ever to go this far, what have those robots been doing for the last 40 years? What loop have they been on if literally no one but Arnold and Ed Harris have ever met I think you can go to that that village and do what Ed Harris did or hang out in that village because Dolores and... And right. William go there too, True. and that's like yeah. a trip that you can make. But I don't think stopping, killing everyone, taking Clifton Collins, and being like, "Show me the maze," and then obviously that little girl True. is some sort of like, you know, guide or something. True, and the and the big outlaw whose name I'm blanking on. Who, Wyatt. Uh, no, the Hector. Hector yeah. is we we've seen him before. He's an agent of chaos. We've seen yeah. him take the town, and yeah, now yeah, we saw yeah. where he came from. Okay, you're right. Okay, so Jason, do you have any insight into this though? And like, and how how easy is it is to get access to the robot making milk? <laughs> the thing, well, you know that scene you're talking about at the hacienda was that's the one that um, that's the one that I really liked from last night's episode because uh, there's a game called The Sims. I don't know if you've ever played sure, The yeah. Sims. But the Sims uh, put you in control of, you know, little simulated people, and you could tell them to go to work and get dressed and clean the house and all that kind of stuff. And we used to do stuff uh, when the Sims first came out, like uh, make them get into a swimming pool and then take out the ladder so they just swim around until they drown, or like build a build an island in the middle of the swimming pool and put like a a uh, barbecue, a toilet, and a bed out there, and then make them live there. <laughs> You're a monster. Uh, and it, it was it, like, yeah, think about it now. Like, we, I, I'd make them get into the hot tubs, surround the hot tub with plants so they couldn't get out and then just cook them for like three days and then like, they'd get out and just die. And, <laughs> who, who are you? And like, that's. It sounds like you would have a good time in my This is Anthony Hopkins. This is Anthony Hopkins. And it, like, it was that when he. You know, like looking out over his field, and he's got, and he can control all the robots, obviously, just by like uh, pitch of his voice or maybe just hand motion. The question is, like, why hasn't he gone full god mode before? Because it just seems like when I would play The Sims, that was you quickly graduated from, oh, let's send this sim to work, and now we have to like make coffee to being like, okay, like how can I, how can I just f with these simulated people like as much as possible, and. That was Anthony Hopkins. I think that's what Anthony Hopkins is getting at. He's like creating a religion mm. now. Yeah, you know, he's like creating. He's he's he is God in there. So why not just go full on with it? Build a church, make them worship him. He's got you know like years of genetic material on every rich person that's ever been to Westworld. He's an extremely powerful person. He also they 
they, she asks him about his legacy and mm-hmm. not wanting the narrative to be backwards looking. Mm-hmm. And he laughs right. at that, probably because whatever his plan is, is legacy making in a different way. The, the thing the thing that I find still most compelling about the show is to look at it through this video game prism and to think about how in my in my days as a as a video game player and enthusiast, I was so absurdly white hat. I felt that I had to behave in a certain way and interact with people in like role playing like fantasy final fantasy games. Like I had to behave with such decorum and allow the game to be played quote unquote the right way. I was the most boring video gamer of, of all time to the point of probably not even seeing half the things that the games could be because I felt it had to be done that way. So to to realize that to take that concept which I remember and probably most people of our generation remember whether they behaved or they didn't even before the days of GTA to see it play out on this enormous scale is pretty interesting it's just lacks maybe that story in and of itself is hard to communicate on screen maybe no matter how you did it my vibe maybe, for maybe, video maybe, games maybe Jason and I would be Jimmy Simpson and other dude if we had this conversation yeah. <laughs> in a costume drama I don't know but that doesn't seem that compelling to me even though the idea behind it is whenever I played Max Payne my vibe was very Jason Statham and Crank <laughs> like I was just like <laughs> never tell me the odds <laughs> I would like get cheat codes for eternal life or whatever and just like walk out into rooms full of guys and just be like (laughs) I I wish you guys could see the two handed pistol action that's happening in the studio Um, Jason what's the harvester doing that's churning up the the earth there Uh, I I have no idea he's I don't know digging for the maze that's why they call you the tap minder (laughs) yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure yet Okay. I'm not sure yet. So what? So sorry, I interrupted your very first question, which was just, just bring bring me back to the boards, guys. What, yeah. Anything? What's the buzz? Oh man. Have we thrown out a ride? The funny thing about this episode, and when I say funny, it's like my verbal ticket was not actually funny. There are no laughs on Westworld. Was someone actually said the words Easter eggs, mm-hmm. and also like Jeffrey Wright picked up that rock and was like, there aren't that many stars in Orion, like, get your head out of your ass, which was sort of like shots <laughs> shots at all of the internet. <laughs> um, but I know that they made this, like, however long ago. Was there anything coming out of this where you're like, here's a new theory that I have? I don't think Arnold is dead. I think he just was like, this is awesome, why would I leave this place? Like, you're gonna, you know, we're obviously we need money, so we need to bring in investors, but we've created like a kingdom here. I'm just, he's somewhere deep inside Westworld surrounded by like 400 hosts that worship him like as a king. So you think he's the man at the end and of the maze? Pulling, yeah, I think he's he's the guy that's okay. there. What, okay. what, what would be interesting to see for sure is if he is not only there, but if he's found a way to essentially go dark. Because one thing this episode definitely steered into was the idea that they're always being watched. I mean, Jimmy Simpson talks about it, or they, you know, he, that's an right. active conversation they have. And then we do see when Ed Harris requests permission, basically, to, to, to use firecrackers, and they give it to him. Yeah. So all of these things are being monitored, even the people on the fringes that we've seen so far. So that would, that would be and By neat. the way, this is like... I, every time we talk, Andy that, gets more and more excited the more we talk about theories. I feel like maybe I should stop watching the show, and then you guys just tell me about it. <laughs> like, I think I would be much more into it that way. Uh, do you think, last question, Jason, this is as someone who is predisposed, you are, you are predisposed to like this, you want to like the show, you're in, you're on the boards. Sure. 
just but you also I don't know if you know this about Jason Chris. Jason watches some TV. Yeah, of course. He's he's, he's seen some shows before. Sure. To me, this episode had the uh, hallmarks of a early first season episode where they're figuring it out, and that can fig- that can be entertaining in some cases, not in others. It felt a l- it, it it didn't click for me, and I and I wondered if you got the same vibes, and if you feel like the bigger questions are enough to propel the show, or are you worried that this is we're gonna just have a lot more of this, a lot more info dumps and Ed Harris. <laughs> The thing for me is, like, if this is all the show is, if it never gets deeper, if we never find out why people are fine with uh, going Ted Bundy on robots while technicians watch, like, on their iPads in some, like, control room somewhere, um, this, that's good enough for me. I mean, there's, like, it's, it's fun for me. Um, on me too. a purely surface level. If you're just going to have, a, like, it's a theme park and robots are there and they're alive and you can kill them and Anthony Hopkins is a, like a going wild god up in there um, and there's going to be a lot of uh, kind of video game illusions alright, I'm in, fine um, I think it could, I think that there's a there's a, a level that it's not reaching because you know in sci-fi you kind of want, it's like the, it's like the technicians cleaning the jizz like there, there needs to be kind of like more granular detail that fills in the blanks that yeah. makes it all make sense as, as the, a as the a world, Kodo, Harry Dean Stanton character is an alien right yeah, yeah. and that's not like all that's not all there yet if they can fill that stuff in by the end of the season then I think the this show could be actually really interesting. As it is, I find it really entertaining. It's fun. Um, And the theorizing is, you know, is extra. My concern about the show, and maybe it's not a concern, maybe this is not a bug but a feature, is that all the things you're talking about, the granular stuff, the sense of wonder or fun or grossness or whatever, is currently being provided by you, Jason, in your writing on The Ringer, like, or on Twitter, and other people like it. Like, the, 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 the blanks that I'm concerned about are being filled. Like, but I found your piece, you know, I, I went to Westworld AMA, was fucking great but it was also like where's that where is that voice I mean right. you wrote in this piece you know you're yeah. like the dumbest move is to go with kids don't bring kids because let's think about it every time they try to address something on the show I feel like they open up more questions and we can leave it at that but like last night's episode suggested that okay because there are kids there when Main Street turns into a, a, a slaughterhouse at the brothel they have to wrap it up because kids are 20 minutes out that's right why are there kids right. there at all? Or where are the kids? What part of the park are they in? And why does Daddy keep uh, taking a long walk into town? Like, too, <laughs> too, too many questions. Just um, so wa- walk off my venison. I'll be back in three hours. <laughs> and then they find Daddy. All right, elbow uh, Jason, deep like a thank you for calling in. We'll probably talk to you about this next week. Uh, until then, have a good one. Awesome, thank you. Okay, last segment, we're just going to talk a little bit, well, we'll talk a, a lot about the first episode of the third season of Black Mirror. We're going to do one per week. One per, one per week. I'm one not sure week. if we're going to do Mondays or Thursdays. But yeah, gonna... but for now, we wanted to talk about Nosedive, which is the first episode of the season. Nosedive. Written by Mike Schur and Rashida Jones. Well, story by Charlie Brooker, the creator yeah. of the show. Script by Rashida Jones and Mike Schur. Directed by Joe Wright. Yes. Of uh, Atonement and Anna Karenina fame. Anna Karenina? Yeah. And also, what's, what's, was it Hannah? Is that the one with the Hannah, that was dope. That's a great movie. Great soundtrack, Chemical Brothers. Good soundtrack too. Yeah. Eric we... Bana, good Bana. Do you remember the face you gave me when I said that Eric Bana was really underrated? <laughs> That's because of Munich. <laughs> he is. I'm a big Bana head. Um, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was 
not terrific. But it was interesting. Where in are you on BDH? Let's just start there. Listen, <laughs> do you want to say what you said to me, which I think summed it up better than I could in sure. 20 minutes? You said that, that the star of the episode, Bryce Dallas Howard, is a tough hang. It's a, it's, it seems like it. And I don't mean to be nasty about it. I just mean, like, across the board from her work. Her performance. They tr- it's just, like, a lot of effort. It was. It's a very high energy performance, which is why they cast her in this part. Right. It's. It it's actually sense. quite good casting, I guess. It, it, but it was. It's a tough hang. I think that this episode was, in the same way that I tell people to watch the national anthem, the first episode of season one of yeah. Black Mirror first, because while it is not um, representative of what all the episodes are going to be, the 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 way it makes you feel and the reaction you might have to it is a pretty is as good as any in terms of a primer of what the show could do its potential. Yeah. Similarly, this show I understand why this was first, but I also feel like it's it, it made the counter argument for what makes the show so difficult. This is as we talk about the show as an anthology, we have five more episodes to go, and then there are going to be more next year. It's going to be a really interesting taste uh, test case because when we're critical, we're not dooming the whole project. Yeah. Built baked into the project like Black Mirror, there are going to be peaks and valleys, and the show is essentially every every episode figuring out what it can be and what it should be. This is one of those ones where the idea was very good, the idea of rating people mm-hmm. and you know that defining our life. Though it was that was on Community recently. Well, <laughs> that's well, I was going to get to that. Community did a similar episode in 21 minutes, the Meow Meow Beans, and I think that was actually superior. Yeah. This this episode had a great concept, very chilling, ripped from more of the present than anything else, and took it to a very ugly, but I would argue, and artful, it was very well directed, but kind of obvious end. This was one of those, this is an episode that is the kind of entertainment that I, you know, I would call a roller coaster, in that when you buy the ticket, you know which direction it's going. Sure. And that's not always the most fun ride, especially if the ride itself, which only moves in one direction, down doesn't surprise you much on the way. See, I actually thought it was a little atypical of Black Mirror episodes Mm -hmm. because of the last scene in which the character, while stripped literally of everything, you know, of of modern life, has achieved a sort of enlightenment Mm -hmm. through, like, just screaming, fuck you. Mm -hmm. And that typically doesn't happen to Black Mirror characters. They don't usually have that moment of catharsis. It's the... The Black Mirror that I, of the first two seasons, would have ended at the wedding. It would have ended with her going out into the white light and being dragged out of the wedding. You're right about that. Um, and so I felt like, I don't know whether it was Mike Schur and Rashida Jones and like a different sensibility. And or an like, American sensibility. Or just a need to like kind of have... Uh... So who are the characters on Black Mirror, right? Like The characters are really more there to service a larger message about, mm-hmm. I mean, the same way with Tried Zone, like a larger fabulistic kind of message. So that was a very big of a character beat. Like Bryce Dallas Howard got her catharsis at the end of the episode. That typically isn't like what I think of that happens. Toby Kebbell doesn't get catharsis at the end of Entire History of You. Right. It's emptiness it's it's destruction you know it's it's not about oh i cherry jones was right the truck driver now i'm like gonna get out of here Dude. or even be here the rest of my life but i have this counterpart that i can just say what i'm actually thinking cherry jones is caking off the golden age of television Dude, she's got she, she there's just not enough cherry jones to go around no, no she gets mad residge <laughs> from all these different projects she's got it's unbelievable you're killing it today um oh man i think that <laughs> It's, it's tricky 
it's essentially. But you see what I'm saying, right? I do, and yeah. I think, I, I think it's it, it's it really highlighted the seams of this project and how when it works, it's really amazing yeah. because if if the the the. The default description of Black Mirror isn't very appealing, which is someone hectoring us for our dependence on technology. Yes. That type of entertainment usually fails. Like, moralistic finger-wagging or lesson learning, or, le or at least lesson imparting, doesn't make for good entertainment. The brilliance of an episode like Be Right Back is it takes an idea that we live with already, that we are putting so much of ourselves out into the world that it may live on without us. Right took that that we're creating digital genetic code and basically. took it forward in time to a logical conclusion but also took it sideways into a more into like, like i talked about last week into a ghost story or, or an emotional romantic story grappling with grief it yeah. wasn't just in the one direction of what would be next mm -hmm. and so when i watched this episode and then last night when i got a you know i got a, a lift car service to the concert the driver shows up and there's this rating next to him you know so we live in that world already Right. Um, the reaching for the phone, the, the, the scenes when they were... I mean, the opening of the episode was beautiful. It's beautifully composed, directed. The music was very cool. When she's in the coffee shop uh, before she gets a little coffee that she won't eat but takes the picture of, everyone in line around her is looking at their, their phones. Well, that's our reality. Yeah. Um, pushing, it all, pushing it all up like, like uh, the, the whatever's on a soundboard wasn't it wasn't dramatically satisfying to me. Well, I especially because you had to there's so much work sorry, yeah. so much work to be done. You have to introduce a whole world, a concept, characters and tell a story I, in 60 minutes. And I think that I uh, the best Black Mirror episodes are ones that are just slightly ajar or slightly sort of reality adjacent. Reality adjacent. But this is more of um this is more like a traditional satire where everything is turned up to 11, mm -hmm. like not just not seven, not eight, but like the volume is all the way up. So it's just like the pink, the tones. The, Alice Eve's performance. Yeah, like and um, I, 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 I thought like some of the technology stuff was quite good with like the way that the phone would immediately like broadcast the, onto the computer and like all this stuff was really cool. Low key thing about the episode, the technology and the way it was considered and used was awesome. And the way that even um, like when when she basically set designs her video call with Alice Eve so that she's like having a wine and the tapenade yeah. and like has like a and all that stuff was great but I actually wound up feeling more like way you the way you feel when you watch Westworld and you're like all I have is like questions and the questions are actually pretty annoying mm -hmm. I had the same about say how you feel about my questions no, the <laughs> questions the questions are annoying to yourself. Of course. To, you can't enjoy a show if you're like, why the fuck would they just use different robots? Exactly. Like, why do you have to clean these? Yep. So my question was like, when did we, like, why would we agree to a system where ratings grant or deny access to, like, basic human services? I mean, my, my assumption was that it was, like, with many things in... I was going to use the metaphor of the, the frog in the pot of water over the stove, but because Jason was just on, I'll use the, the metaphor of the Sims in a hot tub on Jason's PC in 1991. They don't even notice as things get hotter But it was actually kind of, now that I'm thinking about it, sort of interesting that it was the invert of what we kind of typically experience. So, social media, like I think most people would say, is a place where a lot of the most toxic parts of us come out. Mm -hmm. So the idea of that being flipped where it's like, Actually, social media is being used so that you can never be rude or hostile. I I, I like that, and that's I wonder if that's one of the threads. But I almost pulled. wish that it spent more time on something like that than like, is she going to get to this the, wedding? The, the, because one of the things that I find most uh, unsettling about social media um, 
is you know when someone posts a selfie a very flattering picture and then gets the hit of validation that they were looking for and they posted it i mean it, it does yeah, the serotonin mimic, hit. Yeah. it does a serotonin hit it mimics a drug relationship because they put the picture up and it's like was feeling blank today or like you know medium face like acting like they don't know that that's a flattering picture and then there are you know the, immediately the comments are you're amazing you're so beautiful you're so whatever um and yeah i am subtweeting you right now <laughs> and you did look great in those jeans but but you know what i mean like what that, if i had a secret instagram the, that was just like an, like just, all just basic fat, shit it was fat, just like another, another lovely Sunday in Los Feliz and it's just me with a giant coffee and like a go get him tiger sandwich or something I, that was my fear that that's what I would find when I came out here I mean but, but, but that aspect of the internet the performed niceties is very interesting you know th- this, and the idea of that crossing over into our life yeah it struck me as and I think we might see more of this as they make more black mirrors where they're great ideas and great talent and you know the execute it's ex, it's execution dependent and it's going to be wow. it's going to be tricky yeah you know not all of them are going to not all of them are going to work and i'd be curious that they talked about to talk to mike sure about the working relationship with yeah. charlie brooker because they on paper anyway i can't imagine two more talented but also distinct comedic sensibilities one is slashing and very cutting and one is very very warm and very very um healing essentially yeah. so I, I think that was an although interesting the first step, the first season of parks was a little bit more caustic wasn't it um i think we, by the first season you mean the first six episodes yeah i think that that, Not was that it's more, like it was like black mirror but it was like no but i think that, that they would hold that up as being like they were basically still shaking off the office and it was and they hadn't figured out that the, the key to the show wasn't to make leslie nope a figure of ridicule yeah. like like michael but to make her a figure of strength and everyone else was just sort of to know to handle her um it's it, it, it it's interesting to note. I mean, one last thing we should say about it. Um, actually, two two quick things. Just, the floor is yours. We talked last week about White Bear. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Brooker did some press. Mm-hmm. Did you read the interviews that he? Where someone asked him about White Bear. So, White Bear, you was your top episode. Was lower on my list. This he talked about how they the whole episode was written and scouted, production scouted as what it appeared to be. That it was going to be like some sort of zombie signal, and everyone just became, you know, film film uh, spectators yeah. of violence. And it was only after they scouted like a disused army base, and he saw the relationship between the places that the last twist that didn't fully work for me came into his head, and they crashed it into the script and really? changed the whole episode. Oh, so it was just supposed to be what it was until it was just supposed to be like this nightmare scenario where you wake up and you're being chased. <laughs> And that's the way the world was now. It was like a like a reverse, like a, not a reverse zombie film, but a different type of zombie film. And that speaks to me, like to the the excitement of the show and the creativity of the show. Yeah. That they were just like, let's try this instead. Yeah. It makes it conversation worthy. I don't know if that made it better. I will be interested in speaking of nightmare scenarios to see what your reaction to the second episode. Because you watched ahead. I watched. Yeah. I can't believe anyone like binged this show. There are more, you know, that that's not healthy. I worry about that. Isn't that I think it's it is still worth mentioning, even as Andy and I like work through this and like talking about it as if this is something that just comes along very often. Yeah, it's still kind of like insane that I'm really glad that like Charlie Brooker makes these. Like they Me are too. really cool. And when you see Playtest, like Playtest is pretty fucking awesome I, I really want him to keep making these i almost wish that they were i wish we were in a world where it could be untethered from any release schedule i know netflix let him do 12 i mean i don't even know if it's years, the but... release schedule as much as it's like i i you can just feel it just exploring so many different parts of like the psyche i 
I, you know, that you, and there, there's a bunch of like, I, I'm really excited to keep talking about it. When we talked about um, Goliath on Amazon. Yeah, sure. We were talking about David E. Kelly and the guy who created Goliath. And we were talking about him having like a particularly TV brain. He's one of those people who to him, TV is his typewriter. It's like the way he can work stuff out and he's perfectly suited for it. And he's particularly well suited for um, broadcast network hour long half dramas. Yeah. Charlie Brooker plays plays television like a piano. I mean, he he understands the medium. He understands our des- desire to watch it, the nature of it. And I, I love that. And he does it in a particularly perverse way that is in no way in keeping with the way anyone else had done it before. Um, last thing, though, you had said, I think you said this off air, mm. that you wondered if the show was coming in for a heat check just because there's no way that the quality level would be able to be sustained. The excitement was very high. Are you getting... Are you feeling like people are? I saw some snarky stuff about it, but I think that ultimately, not. It's not like there people anybody was like Black Mirror's over, you know. There was so so the reaction. To there the was some like oh, social media is bad. Like thanks Charlie Brooker, didn't know that. But, but it was, like but like that's the, that is the tripwire of the show. That's amazing. They've been able to avoid for this long. I think because there, I think that there are enough. There's enough variety in the episodes that it doesn't necessarily rely on one central. I mean, this is actually goes back to what you're talking about with Westworld. Westworld's putting a lot of literal money on one idea, mm-hmm. you know, and Black Mirror is sort of spreading the spreading the bets across the table. It's mm-hmm. saying, well, we're interested in this. We can do a comedy episode, and then we can do a horror episode, and then we can do a love story. Westworld can't, you know what I mean? And it, it's interesting. I don't think that you can be like Black Mirror's over when Black Mirror could be absolutely anything on any given episode. I will say I, I, I miss... England a little bit, and I know that much yes. of it was filmed there, yeah. and British actors. And it's a different sensibility for sure. Like watching Brace Dallas Howard do that, I was like, that is also one of the things that's jarring. This would have felt much different if it was Haley Atwell as this character. I think possibly. I think it's a very it's a very tricky role in performance. I think that just going back to to White Bear or, or the the location made him change his mind. The location, those like council estates mm-hmm. or whatever, the, the the vision of England that he films is as essential to the show, I think, as the technology that they add to it in post production. Yeah, um, he he has this, you know, it, it's as if like I, I watch the show and I'm like, imagine um, if if How to Get Away with Murder wasn't filmed like in or s- pretended to film in Philadelphia, but was in Drexel Hill. Right. No shouts, no shots at Drexel Hill. Right. Very good friends there, but it's like. That that looks like a place where near where I grew up. I will like, say I visited that, friends' houses there. I understand that world, and so to put the the outlandish nature of the fiction on top of that reality helps bind it and make it palatable and understandable on an emotional level, even before they start talking. I will say that playtest benefits from its setting. Okay. Yeah. Am I going to be able to handle it? No, I actually don't know. <laughs> uh, until Thursday for the reup, we'll talk about land and some other stuff. I will see you soon, and we'll do playtest next week. Yeah. And you'll prepare me for it? As much as I can. I'll watch it with you if you need me to. Can you hold my hand? Yeah. All right, great job, Fred. Ski! Thanks again to Sonos for sponsoring us today. Remember, Sonos is the smart speaker system. It streams all your favorite music to any room, every room, one room, two room, five rooms. I don't know what kind of a mansion you guys live in, but it's very handy wherever you live. All it takes is a simple app for your phone, for your tablet. It brings together all your favorite music services, lets you control everything from songs to volumes to rooms to your preferred NPR stations. Play a different song in the living room, whatever room you got. Add to your existing music services. Discover something new. I am on the Sonos train. Jump on board. Sonos.